welcome listeners to another episode of Stimulate Run Podcast. Welcome back to returning listeners and welcome to those listening for the first time. I hope you managed to catch up on the previous episodes and enjoy the episodes to come. If you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, I ask if you can leave a review, which will make it more visible for others looking for something similar to listen to. Feel free to shoot me a follow via Instagram at iswinney88 and also stimulate health. If you have any suggestions for future people you'd love to listen to or you'd like for me to interview, please feel free to shoot me a message. Let's go to this episode coming up. This episode I get I had the pleasure of speaking to Tony Smith. Tony is a well-known runner and also a coach in Perth. In this episode I speak to Tony about his own running, his achievements, his consistency across a range of distances and how he manages to keep balance. In regards to his coaching, we speak to Tony about his methods that which he employs with new athletes, how he approaches a new athlete and where he sees his coaching in the future. Hope you enjoy my chat with Tony Smith. Uh, welcome listeners back to another episode. Today we have Tony Smith on the podcast. Really excited to delve a little deeper and pick his brain a bit on his methods and his running and maybe even his secret to consistency, especially over the last month of running. And I'll share a few stats about his last month as we chat. But yeah, enjoy and welcome Tony. Uh, thank you, Eric, and uh, good morning. So Tony, probably the best way to start is for some people that don't know you, if you want to introduce yourself and just tell us a small snippet about you and what you do. So yeah, so a quick intro on me. I've uh, been in Australia just over seven years. Uh, work full time, 40, 50 hours a week. Passion um, outside my family is running. Um, I recently um, started my own coaching business, been coaching people on and off for probably the last 20 years unofficially and now I've got a nice little uh, nice little business going with some, some great runners and achieving some, some real rewarding results for them guys. So you're a level two recreation coach, correct? That's correct in Australia. I'm yeah. also um, UK qualified. I also did some coaching qualifications in the UK okay. and pretty much been running since I was a child so back yeah. with a fair bit of experience. Okay, so how long has the coaching side been of interest? Was it automatically while you were running you thought one day you'll want to get into this or did you think just one day wake up and go, I'm going to do some coaching? Yeah, look, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a bad runner, not, not as talented as some, but I, I work quite hard, but I actually found that I get a lot of reward from helping others achieve their goals just as much a reward as I get for achieving uh, my own goals, so yeah, I had some success recently, and yeah, I think the, the reward is, is just as good watching and um, seeing other people grow in the sport as, as for myself, uh, yeah, doing some of the events. Do you find that coaching aids your running? Uh, to a degree, yes. Um, since I started coaching officially um, as, a, as a business, I've I've definitely learned a lot and I think sometimes um, some coaches try and put everyone into sort of one basket and have a one-step format on how to coach people and a lesson I learned very quickly is everybody's individual and, mm-hmm. and there's different methods, um, even different ways that you talk about it with, uh, with your runners 
on how to get the best out of the runner. It's not a, a case of, yeah, one thing fits everybody. Mm-hmm. So I noticed recently that the no vacancy sign went up yes. um, and your stable's full, which, you know, to say that you've freshly just got into this area and opened the business, that's a great kudos to you. Can you, what do you put, I suppose, the popularity of people wanting to join you down to? Um, and then what does that mean for you to say that you are fully booked? Yeah, so for me to be fully booked, look, it's, there are coaches out there where it is their livelihood, it is their mm-hmm. business, so um, revenue is, is quite important to them, for them to live. For, for me, it's, it's more of, I don't want to call it a hobby business, but it, it's more of a hobby. It's not my main source of income, so I don't need it. My reward is, is keeping the stable quite, quite small so I can still give that sort of that personal coaching and the individual mm-hmm. coaching to my runners and I've noticed that I've just got to a point now where it's it's starting it's starting to get I'm not forgetting but I've got to a point now where I've got enough runners where I can manage and still do my day job and still do my own training and also yeah still do family stuff and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff so that's pretty much uh, yeah why the the full sign's gone up <laughs> to begin with, and yeah, and, and it was yeah, it was quite um, quite warming to see that as soon as that went up, I've got five people sat on the wait list already mm-hmm. waiting to waiting to jump in. Which I'm looking at, and I'm really excited. I want to I want to help them guys as well. So, but um, yep. hopefully in time, some people will jump off the training and take a little bit of a, a respite, and then these new people can jump Come on. on. When you first had the idea and went live with it, did you ever think that this would happen? Um, initially, it, it was it was quite slow to begin with, mm-hmm. and and yeah, that was quite quite good because then I could fit everything else in. And then all of a sudden, I don't know a few of the people that I'm coaching sort of hit some some big performance gains, and I think people see see their performance gains mm-hmm. and, and then think, oh, there's some success there, so they so they want to jump in. But but that said, you know, it's, I've got a full spectrum of people that I coach, you've got people mm-hmm. at the front of the back, the middle of the back, and some people that are sort of recreational social social runners. So yeah, this and, and that's how I want to keep it. Definitely a mixed mixed bag of it's not just after the performance people. Yeah. Do you think how important is it that you're also the billboard for the business, but then also those clients that got the performance gains. So if me out there now going, okay, I'm looking for a coach to take me to the next level. Do I see Tony the athlete? He must be a good coach. Or do I see Tony the coach with a stable of athletes who are performing? How important is the balance to look at the two? I don't know. I think I've got a, a, a quite a good balance. I, 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 I think some of the races I've managed to perform pretty well. So mm-hmm. Tony the athlete, yeah, I'm, Pretty much most of the time, up at the sort of the, the front end. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that that shows that yeah I can probably walk the walk and talk the talk. And mm-hmm. then that said, with my athletes as well, or the guys I coach, that a lot of them are now they've they've come from a certain point and they're now hitting a lot of the goals that yep. they've they've set. Great. So we'll come back to your coaching side yeah. um, a bit further in, but I wanted to also talk about you the runner and the athlete because your range is exceptional um especially over the longer distance so when i say from 42 onwards and your ability to back up 
and the consistency. So you're probably aware of this, but in the last four weeks, you've run three sub threes and a fourth, which was a 310. Am I correct? Yeah, that's yeah. Great. So <laughs> for somebody to knock that out in a month, it's not very common. Um, what can you put that down to? If you were going to give me three drop points, what would they be? So it's, it's knowing your own, your own limitations and, and, and where you can push the boundaries of your own fitness. Uh, yeah, I've been running for the odd years. I, I, I back up quite well and I find for myself that works for me. It gets me back into running again. <laughs> but that said, I wouldn't recommend that for everybody. If you're a seasoned runner and maybe been running 20, 30 years, then the day after a marathon can feel a lot better further down the track you are. But if it's your first or second marathon, you probably find, and I was exactly the same, that you'll be walking very awkwardly for a minimum of a week. Mm -hmm. And the thought of running is... <coughs> and the thought of running is probably the, the last thing, the last thing on your <laughs> mind. And climbing stairs is, is probably something you avoid. So, so for me, I just enjoy running, but try not to push the boundaries too far from my own mm -hmm. abilities and I know when I need to back off and reduce it or keep going but generally yeah I just yeah I just back yeah. on well that's something that, that I've, <laughs> You've I've done got, well I've, I've got yeah where other people probably uh, a little bit better in different ways I just but backing up is mm -hmm. one thing that I do quite well yeah yeah and I suppose another thing to add from 2013 to 2019 you had 26 top five finishes. So a fair list of accolades along the way there. Um, if I was gonna ask how many of those 26 you really targeted? Yeah, um, probably not that, probably didn't actually target many of their races. It was mm -hmm. just a case of, and, it, and it's something yeah, I've probably diverse a little bit, and, it, and it's something a lot of um, the people I coach, they ask me what race they should do next, mm -hmm. and, and I always try and answer that question with, well, what race do you want to do next? What excites you, and, and, and why are we doing all this training? What is, what is your end game? So, so for me, I just, I enjoy running uh, races, certain races, I pretty much, I like running on the road more than the trails, but... So, so for me, no, I've not really specifically targeted races. Over mm -hmm. the last sort of five or six years, I've just pretty much bounced from an event to an event to an event that I want to do, that I'm passionate, that I, yep. I want to run with other people. And yeah, you're very generous with the, with the stats there. A lot of the race, there are a lot of races in WA and not a lot of people. So, mm -hmm. so if you're sort of an average runner, you can tend to be a little bit higher up the field than you would say if you were running over or running in the UK or running in South Africa. Yeah. Over here, it's a bit of a smaller population with a lot of events. We're really lucky that way. So, mm -hmm. so probably some of my results are a little bit higher than they would be if I was in a, in a different field of athletes. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, running and sport in general is an evolving beast. People looking for the edge. Do you think it's becoming more desirable to search for the magic tablet formula? Um, and the second part of that question is, how do you then tell somebody that it might be a 12-month journey before you even see 
a few minutes of reward. Yeah, so in some sports, uh, especially the sports that require a lot of, a lot of skill, uh, like racket sports, ball sports, that sort of thing, I think you can, you can get that magic pill if you go mm-hmm. swimming, that sort of thing. You can, if coached correctly and the technique is improved, you can see big step gains very quickly. With running, there is, there is no magic pill. To run faster, you need to run further and not get injured pretty much. That is the secret pill and you can't, or you can, but you'll get injured very quickly if you try and do too much too soon. So it is, running unfortunately is, you've got to play the long game if you want to improve and not break yourself or injure yourself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, unfortunately no magic pill pill in running. But if you persevere with it and, and, and sort of build up gradually to your own capabilities, then yes, you will see some big gains, but it does take yeah, more than, say, a 30-minute session at the gym. You're not, you're not going to see the big gains that way. Yeah. And then how do you work that into with a client? Do you break that down? So do you say, look, this is not going to be a short hit? If you, I want to run city to surf in 10 weeks and I'm coming in going, okay, I want to knock off 30 minutes on my PB. Do you have that reality conversation and say? So, yes, we, yeah. um, we go for some, some goal settings initially and mm-hmm. yeah, we use the, the, oh, I use the acronym SMART and we, we set them, we look at them specific principles, you know, is, is the goal specific, is it measurable, is it achievable, is it realistic? And then we, is it t- the time-based part of it? And I'll go through that in slow time with the client and say they've been running, I don't know, they might have been, season runners been running for 10 years mm-hmm. and they've just hit a plateau. And I look back at their training and I can see, yeah, there's some big gains there. We could possibly knock 30 minutes off in, with a 16-week plan. But if the person's maybe been running six weeks or six months, then the likelihood of, of making that big gain with a 16-week plan is is probably not realistic, but I'll be honest, most people that come to me, a lot of their goals are pretty, they are pretty realistic. Yeah. The, the, the sort of the, the downfall for a lot of people is they, they try to compare themselves with what other people are doing, mm-hmm. with the advent of Strava, Garmin, Facebook, Instagram, uh, there's a lot of people that will look to see what other people are doing and mm-hmm. then try and jump on, oh, they're doing that, I need to do that, and and sometimes it's about what's best for you and not yep. what other, other people are doing and not to, not to try and replicate what other people are doing. Just do your training and, and concentrate on yourself. Yeah, I was talking on a run yesterday and we were almost saying that Strava is almost a danger to your own goal, um, especially when it comes to the long run and the group run. Um, people sometimes want to pigeonhole and go, well, that person is within a five to 10 minute window of where I am. I should be doing that, but five to 10 minute window is big. So do you think Strava in a way can really derail somebody's build up? It, it seems minor, but we look at this recognition yes. and this ability to look at other people's things. Obviously it can work for, but do you think there's a lot of against with it? Yeah, most definitely. And, and the biggest downfall for for me with Strava is when people get injured mm-hmm. 
and then they continue on as driver looking at everybody else and they're not able to run or they're in a rehabilitation phase and they just just get very can stress people out. So if, I, if any of my runners do get injured, I ask them just to just to flip their notifications off on Strava, or even just take the app off until mm-hmm. until we're back running again, because there's they think they're gonna be that much behind once they come back from from their injury. But more to your point, yes, uh, I think sometimes people try and like you say, pigeonhole themselves into different, I should be running at the same speed as this person, but are they running at the right speed, the right distance? Mm-hmm. Are they being coached? Have they got their own plan? Or, but they, and, and the way that they train might be totally different than the way that you train to get the benefits. So it's, yeah, it's all about focusing on, on yourself and, and trying not to compare yourself to other people. But yeah, yeah. Well, that said, Strava is great. For, it, yeah, for it's such a 50-50, isn't yeah, it? It's, yeah, no, yeah. it's definitely. Um, so I want to just jump back to you and your methods specifically like for you individually. What, how do you build up? Do you break your year down um, in months or are you doing weeks? Or do you just, it's almost, okay, there's the race that's coming up. I want to run that. Let's do a build. Because, you know, in the last month, for example, you wouldn't have really had, it's more about maintenance before you go to the next and the next and more so recovery. Um, so how do you three part question how do you plan your year what methods do you use in your training and then what aids you to recover ok this is probably it's probably not going to be good PR from a coaching but I don't <laughs> actually I don't actually have a, have a plan I know people mm-hmm. would think oh, you're a coach so you'll have a plan and it'll be set in stone so I I used to have a plan and I used to stick to it religiously and it, it used to if I didn't get a session in, I would be concerned and then I'd try and make the session up. And these are all the, the things that I've learned with the way I perform better. And in the last couple of years, I've, my performance has gone up rather than I should really be starting to go down now. I'm getting mm-hmm. to that age where I should be jumping the drip off. But for me, I've just kept my, my own training very fluid. I basically, I do, I'll do two quality sessions a week, I'll try and fit them in. And, quality session I'll call a speed session but we're not talking track work just something faster than recovery runs <laughs> and then on the weekend I'll do a longish run on a Saturday or a Sunday and then in between that they're just purely maintenance runs and I'll run it between uh, 4.45 or 5.30 minutes per K just <laughs> nice and easy and just enjoy just adding the volume up and just try and tick over 100k weeks and <laughs> I found in the last two years that's that's my magic pill. That's what works works for me. Mm-hmm. And if some of my clients have got the same sort of run planned, I'll just jump, jump in and in. do do the session with them. So my training is very very much fluid. Yeah, it's very much off the cuff. Yeah. I'll just go for a run. Oh, it's Tuesday, so I need to put a little bit of work in on it. It's a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It's Thursday, the same again. It's a quality run. Other than that, it's just easy K's. Mm-hmm. Just building building the volume. That's what works for me. Yeah, it's not going to work for everybody, but that's that's my magic pill. And yeah, it's taken probably forty years to, to work that <laughs> out, but I've worked it out now, and um, um, it's not broken. So that's what I stick with. Yeah, and then in terms of recovery, so this morning you did thirty five k's. Yeah, you run seven days a week, or are you normally six. Six normally, days. Yeah, six days a week. 
yeah. Normally I'll have at least one day off, normally. And double sessions that you do run twice a day, or? If, if time permits with mm -hmm. work and that sort of stuff, I would rather split a session into two okay. 10K runs rather than go out and do a one 20K run. But yes, yeah. it's all depending on time, yes. And then what do you put in place to recover, to be able to go again? And also recovery from one marathon in this last block of four, what did you put in to really emphasize the recovery? So, so for me, it's, it's active recovery. It's just trying to get out maybe 24 hours to 48 hours after the marathon, just getting out for a nice easy run and just running to feel. And also um, eating and drinking well and getting plenty of sleep are mm -hmm. pretty, pretty key to, to recovery. It's just looking after your own well-being. Again, no magic pill, no magic potions. It's just eat, eat healthily and, and get lots of rest. And that's pretty much yeah. my magic pill, yeah. Which I think is another one where with the, I suppose, the increasing nature of social media and the elite athlete on social media, we're seeing sponsorship of product. So people are seeing an elite athlete taking a product and going, well, that must be the secret. Whereas purely getting your nutrients from pure foods can be a lot more beneficial and a lot cheaper. Um, same comes down to hydration. You know, seeing somebody drinking a Powerade doesn't necessarily mean that is actually Powerade. There can be a Powerade bottle with a separate electrolyte in there. Um, so that's also the downside, but there's also the benefits. So you are also, your business is on social media. How do you use social media and how, do you, how would you plan to use it to build upon your business? Um, I think just promoting the guys that I coach and just getting it out there, you know, what they're doing. Again, mm -hmm. there isn't a magic product like we just talked about there. I've, yeah, a lot of these products are good gels, your energy drinks, etc., etc. But but for myself. I've probably tried them all, like most runners, like they've done with with shoes, etc., etc. And, and I've actually gone full circle now, and I, I run a marathon just, just drinking water. I just yeah. But that's how I train. So if you train using energy gels and, and drinks, then you probably need that in the race. But if you train and you find you don't need it, then your body will adapt, and you can probably find that you'll you'll get the same performance out of it, and you'll. The, the race itself will be less complicated because you won't be thinking, oh, I've got to take a gel now, I've got to take this energy drink now. Is, is it going to be available at the aid station? If you're just taking water, water's pretty much available at most of the aid stations. It just gets rid of something else that you have no control over and just makes it back to grassroots, just running. Yeah. Seems also be a bit of a mental block as well, doesn't it? Whereas if you, oh, I forgot a gel, automatically that gets into your psyche and then the psyche turns negative which will then turn negative into you know your ability to go and you've got something to blame it on um you know oh, i've hit the wall it must be because i missed a gel or i missed a water or i missed a coke um, oh, i got a nutrition wrong that sort of thing but that said some of these energy gels are very good they they'll give you that initial pickup and then the placebo effect that you're you're back superhuman again or you're back at the, in the first few k's of a race but generally they're, they're pretty, pretty short-lived highs and, and then you're gonna go back down again. So it's about managing, managing that and probably not taking on too many gels because they, they can 
start the digestive system working, which is pretty much switched off if you're running at any sort of speed. So yeah, that can be pretty dangerous. So there's obviously more than one way to skin a cat, and your coaching wise probably in the best position to give opinions. My latest one has been about the long run. So you see a lot of people took taking the long run traditionally further than the normal thirty two k's. You know that was what most people would think, almost going close to the marathon distance. You have some going over marathon distance. And then you have some programs doing 26 kilometers. If you were going to almost pigeonhole yourself as a runner and then go out in a generic sense, which way would you go? So for me, uh, and, and from experience, again, it, it is very individual. Some people like, some people like to run that further, it gives them that confidence, but there are different ways of building that confidence rather than running too long. For me, 32Ks for a marathon distance is, is about, is the optimum distance for your longest long run. Uh-huh. We, can, we can tweak that 32K and add some blocks of marathon pace or some hills or something like that just to add that extra little bit of fatigue. But as we progress over 32Ks, and especially for the runners that are maybe a bit of a mid-pack, you know, you could be out for you know, close to three hours, which is a long time to be putting your body under that stress, to then try and recover, to then go again the following week. So it's, it's all about trying to get that balance of getting the right training effect, not doing too much training so you can then carry on training. You know what I mean, but again, it's it's quite individual. That I'm from. Mm. Some people, like you say, can get away with in the twenties. Uh, for me, if I was going to set a distance, generally I wouldn't get any of my runners to run further than thirty-two k's. Yet this morning, yeah, we ran more than thirty-two k's because we finished at King's Park and we need to get back to coffee. <laughs> so that was the important thing. So um, we did an extra two k's, but it was a nice easy two k's back to here to get to get coffee. Yeah, but generally thirty-two k's. Yeah. Yeah, I found it, it, it is very interesting, um, especially with people going post-distance, but I suppose you find the more towards the front of the pack, the more likely they are to go post-marathon distance, um, and then also the pace that you're training at. So if I was going to say for somebody to go out on their long run, what paces as a guide would they necessarily be looking at? So again, it depends... We'd work backwards from the, from what the marathon goal was, and then we then add, add the pace. So, so, so for instance, today we were out and yeah, as a little bit of a mixed group, but we worked to a guy who was looking for sub three, mm-hmm. and his pace range for a sub three marathon for his long run, we were looking at between uh, four, four forty. 4.45 minutes per K round to 5.15 minutes per K. And his marathon pace needs so to be? So to go sub, to go sub 3 would be about between 4.12 and 4.13 okay. minutes per K. So it's already about, about 30 seconds okay. on. The, so the, the slower the, the goal time, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't actually need to be quite as, quite as, quite as aggressive as, as that. So it might be... 20 to 30 seconds 
it's okay from your goal pace yeah but we need to keep it yeah under marathon pace otherwise again yeah the training effect you just won't get it yeah so in terms of long run uh, prescribing long run would you ever say to somebody in, in their build up that you need to be performing the long run at marathon pace or faster in that build up at all or blocks of marathon pace yeah. so you can condition not just your body but your mind so you, you feel comfortable running mm-hmm. at that pace and running some blocks of marathon pace fatigued as well because as we all know the marathon doesn't doesn't start until 32k and yeah. that's where we want to be still able to run at our marathon pace if if we're not then the training hasn't gone to plan or maybe the goal was goal was too high but yes yeah running blocks of marathon pace in training is is, is it's very key. important is, is key to get yeah. right on the day so that you you feel and you know what that pace is yeah and in terms of methods that uh, you then you learn off there's a lot of principles out there Lily, Lydiard, Mathetone that kind of do you tap into any of that or along your journey and with your athletes or is it purely um, this is your way of going no no most yeah. definitely not no just uh, something I found very very quickly coaching more people was everyone reacts and works different and everyone has although they're being coached they have their own sort of philosophy on how the training would work for them and some have done lots of reading and research and and, and a lot of it is down to what they believe is is right so I try and gear their training towards their own beliefs mm-hmm. and then that makes them sort of a, a, that makes them excited to do the runs as opposed to going to do a session and being negative at the session and then that said it takes a little while to get to know the athlete but once I know them and know what how they think and what what makes them excited about going to do a session. Sometimes they can be nervous, that's good. Yeah. But if they're negative before the session, that's that's no good because they've already decided they're not going to hit that session. So yeah, like you said, there's lots of different different ways of ways of getting yeah. it out there, but it's finding what's right for the athlete. And um, that's something that I believe very passionate about where if it was my own business, then I might not be able to spend that much time mm-hmm. researching and finding that out. If, if I had, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 athletes under me, you just, you wouldn't have the capacity to do that. But because I've only got a small number of athletes, I pretty much know how each of them work and what works for them. Yeah. How do you, or how will you stop your business becoming generic? So is that by now closing the doors for a little bit and saying, okay, well, this is my basket I focus on? Um... Because I suppose that's one of the things you wouldn't really want to see where it's almost getting a program out of the drawer yeah. type of setup. Yeah, so that's, yeah, and that, I wouldn't say that's an easy business to set up, but once, yeah. once you've got some marketing and, and you've got people following you, then people probably would buy an online product off you, a generic training plan, mm-hmm. and go away and do it. But again, uh, like I say, generally won't work for everybody and I yeah so so for me I've just capped the numbers I've got a number of athletes that I will, will coach and once it hits that then unfortunately yeah, I, I won't take any more on until people naturally drop off for a rest or move on to something else or 
the, the biggest reward for me is, and I've had a couple of athletes now who have been with me for a fair few months, is yep, they now know how to train themselves. They know what works for them. Pretty much like I said, it took me 30 years to work out. I don't yeah. need a rigid training plan. I just need to do these three key sessions a week and mm -hmm. that works for me. They now know what works for them and they've conditioned themselves not to try and compare themselves to other runners, copy other runners. They just do what they know that works for them and they're still progressing now and they're, they're more sort of happy in their running. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's such a strange sport because I come from a team sport background and focus and then coming into running you generally join a team but it's on game day it's about you and in your whole build up you're evolving around this team but on the day you might never even see that person that you train next to for the whole 12 or 15 week build so you really also need to practice training by yourself and midweek is where I find it the best because you're going out for your morning run and that's where you're doing your easy run and then you're doing your session by yourself as well because that's where you're going to hurt. Come your long run, it's great because you get through it. But um, it's good that you, like, you link up and have a, like this morning you had a group link up because during the week there might have been you know, north, south, east, west. Um, but then on the long run they come together and then coffee. And I really like to hear that you meet up with your athletes whereas you hear of the online coach of, oh, pay me this per month, here's your program, we never see you. Um, you have more of that personal touch on things, which also is probably why people have warmed to you and want to come to you. Um, so, yeah, that's, I suppose, another feather in your cap. Um, what do you see when a new um, recreational runner comes to you? What do you find the most common mistake or even... If they haven't come to you out there, what do you think the most common mistake runners make? Yeah, it's overtraining. Look, we all we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. We think we haven't hit a performance goal, so mm -hmm. we've got to train more. We've got to train harder. We didn't hit that one. We've got to train more. We've got to train harder. And it's taken me quite a few years to understand that where the volume that I need to do and the intensity I need to do to get to where I am, and it's it's not about running faster mm -hmm. or running further it's about finding what, what works mm -hmm. for you as an individual and that's that's something that takes a little while with the athletes and the guys that I coach but generally I can have a quick look at their strava and I can pretty much see just six weeks of build, 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 build and then they get injured mm -hmm. and look yeah I'm the same as most people, we, we go into denial about injuries, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, oh, it's, yeah, it just starts a little bit, I can still run on it, and then we just keep running and keep running, and then we just break ourselves even more, which again is, is something, yeah, very common, but that's all goes back to the overtraining and training too fast. Yeah. So do you think it's also some people aren't training enough, or they're training too much of one and not the other? Um, Generally, don't get the not enough. Mm -hmm. Generally, if someone comes to me for coaching, they're probably already addicted, like most of us. Yeah. It's generally the other way around, where they're, they're, they're either over, they're training too much, or like you just said, they're doing the same thing. So, generally, if you just go and run at one pace five or six days a week, you'll condition your body, and your body then goes, Yep, yeah, this is the norm, I can run at this pace. But then, when you ask your body to run a little bit faster or a little bit further, your body's not conditioned by that, 
your brain says, no, I'm not going to run that much further or that much faster, and you don't hit your goals. So it's training is, is all about, you know, it's, it's, it's all about chopping your body to changing the norm for your running, and then you make that change that you're able to run a little bit faster because this is now the normal pace that I need to run at. Yeah, great. How do you break through the area of apprehension with a new runner? So, especially somebody who's come with a little bit of their own research knowledge, and then you almost flip what they've done on its head. Um, that person could just walk away. Yes. But you know that it might just be a little apprehension, and you know that they will really click and like it. So how, how do you do that? So, again, yeah, probably said it quite a few times, but I've got only a small amount of athletes, and it's about how you message or feedback on their runs. And, and some people like direct feedback. Yeah, mm-hmm. you did this wrong, this is what we need to do next time. And that's, they're happy with that and that's how they work. Some people like you to soften that messaging a little bit mm-hmm. or, or maybe I uh, might ask a question, how did they, or what did they think went wrong? Nine times out of 10, the individual knows what they did what they did wrong or how, or how we can improve it it's just letting them tell me rather than me telling them and I think the successful coaches are the coaches that are able to have that two way conversation mm-hmm. and where their athletes aren't afraid not to question a session but to ask the why why are we doing this session or why was that not the right way to do that session and a successful coach will have the answer and that will then make it the athlete. Yep, no, I get that. I'll go and do it this way. This mm-hmm. way. So it's a, it's about how you yeah, how you work on your feedback and how you work with your athletes. It's not the athletes are afraid to ask that question or I can't question the coach because the coach knows best. It's yep. yeah. And the I'm not sure if you've had it yet, but the tough conversation of look Tony, this just isn't working and maybe I need somebody else. Um, you know, we've kind of reached the end of the line and I want another approach. Or if you've had other athletes come to you having that. How, if you haven't had it, how do you think you will approach that conversation? Do you think it might come from you? Or do you think it's purely from the athlete? So I haven't, I haven't had anyone directly say, look, yeah, this isn't working. Um, yeah. I've had athletes, oh, some of the guys I've coached have been with me for you know, a few months and said, yeah, change a job or I've moved away I just want to take a break from the coaching that's I just want to drop that for a little while until so I've, I've had that I've had a number of athletes come from different coaches mm-hmm. and, and Perth is yeah, it's, it's quite a small, small. <laughs> and the running network is, is quite quite small and yeah. look I, I always all the few people that have come to me I've asked them you know to speak directly to their coach mm-hmm. don't just come to me and, and, and just jump ship mm-hmm. and I've asked them you know, to talk to their coach, talk about the why they want to move mm-hmm. and just see if they can mend that relationship or rekindle that relationship with their coach that they're with at the moment. I, I'm not about poaching people or anything like that and once they are 100% sure that yeah, they've got as far as they can go with, with that coach and they just want to try something different then yeah, I'll take them on board. But yeah, I'm not about trying to poach or steal 
field athletes from, from other coaches and there's some fantastic coaches yeah. in Perth and yeah. I suppose it just comes down to staying professional from your side but then when somebody does approach you in that situation and say look it's not working then you need to react and say well I just wasn't the person for them. Um, and, and it will happen I'm, yeah. I'm sure it will happen it hasn't happened yet but I'm, I'm sure it, it yeah. will happen or maybe their expectations and, and where we can get them to maybe don't align and, and, and maybe they won't get to that position but they might well with a different coach but yeah, but yeah. Oh, perfect um, so we'll just flick back to you you, you work full time as well um, family and now you've got the hobby that you're calling. Um, so how do you keep the balance? You're 100k weeks as well. How do you maintain happiness across the board on the home front as well? Um, what do you employ? So it's all about, uh, it's all about maximising your, your disposable time. And yeah, for most of us, we're, we do all lead very busy lives and lots of commitments so it's, it's about identifying then the time within the day that you can sacrifice I don't know maybe on social media or maybe uh, watching the television or it might even be reading or something like that it's just trying to find them pockets of time and take the opportunity that then doesn't in, impact on family mm-hmm. work life that's that sort of thing and, and that's one of the key questions when I initially meet with with new runners is, is what disposable time have you got? And let's not just say you can run seven days a week for two hours a day because for most of us that's not realistic and mm-hmm. we really analyse where that disposable time is and then within the first few weeks we just make sure that it does align with work, life and, and the stuff that we we have to do yeah. as opposed to our hobby of which is, which is running. Yeah, because I think something always shoots out the other end you know if you I know we've we've got like a two-year-old and I'm sitting there I know this week was a 70k week and there was a couple of mornings where the alarm went off at 445 but I know if I didn't get up it wasn't coming around again whereas two years ago I could have gone oh I'll go out after work you know my wife's kind of coming home later she might go to the gym so in a way it actually helps you to set that up um, but you're right having to then speak to an athlete about can you do this no I can't because I'm working a 12 hour day plus I've got two kids or three kids um, you also don't want to lose the fun where it becomes a chore of oh I have to go and do this 10k's or an hour because quickly the fire starts to go out and it's now seeming like a third job in a way um, and it's a, really this is we got into it for enjoyment and release um, so yeah keeping that balance is quite important in terms of balance for yourself do you still how do you escape like is running still an escape or do you find the pressure now to when you go to a race you have to perform because people are almost looking at you that's the coach well, well I hope not <laughs> Yeah, I hope not, but yeah, unfortunately or fortunately, some of the guys that I'm coaching now are, yeah, they're, they're miles ahead of me now. Yeah. So, yeah, one of the guys I coached just went under 17 minutes for a park mm-hmm. runner on Saturday night. 
Wow. I'm just about to see the 17 and a half minutes. So he's yeah, he made some big gains. So so for me, yeah, yeah, it's great that they're before outperforming me. That doesn't that's that's again for me. That's another another mm-hmm. big tick. So yeah, I think he's great. I think, I think I've still got one of my mouth in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the release for me is yeah, it's my training when I go mm-hmm. out running. I, I I don't know. I think it's like most of us were able to just decompress and just. I don't know, for me it's thinking time and it's thinking about what's actually important and all the white noise and everything just, I don't know, it disappears while I'm running, yeah, it soon comes back again once you get back into normal hustle bustle of life, but for me, yeah, running is still, is the release for me. Well, yeah, that's good to hear that it's still your, I suppose, your therapy, um, especially with people who are potentially interested in also going down this avenue, you know, that you sit there and go, I don't want to give up my free therapy. And then now my job and my hobby are all linked. Um, So yeah, that's great that you continually find that balance. If I was going to ask you what makes a good coach, so not coming from a coach, just as an individual, as a runner, what could you put down the characteristics? So I think they need to have all role models, some of the some of the qualities of a of a runner, you know, they don't. I don't. A good coach doesn't necessarily have to be or have been the front of the pack. Mm-hmm. But I think they need to be knowledgeable and be able to to to, to chat, to be able to talk to the individuals as individuals and not try and group mm-hmm. a group of people. Or oh, you're all the same, so you'll all have the same training plan because. Everybody reacts different to the training, so, and I think to be able to have that, and we touched on it earlier, that two-way conversation that, you know, the, the runners are not, they don't feel threatened or not able to ask a question on why they're doing this session or even to ask if they can change a session, not to feel that it's, it's rubber stamped and I've got to do this session on this day. There's lots of flexibility and I think that's, definitely key to stuff that happens in life we need to be able to move stuff around and, and the running should be the one that we're able to move around so so yeah I think there's oh great for you as a runner what's still on on the board of goals if I was going to say name three three goals that you still want to hit as a runner what would they be I don't know I think um, it just to keep running and injury free is, is for me is, is key and I think I've managed to find that sweet spot now I know when an injury is about to happen and it's not just training soreness it's actually an injury so yeah one goal is, is to keep running injury free as long as I can um, in fact no my top goal is actually to be big Kevin and mountain distance <laughs> that, that would be my that's my top goal um, yeah I've only ever think I've only ever yeah, um, but but now just to keep just to keep yeah. running injury free is is probably my biggest goal. And if I was going to say to you, you can only run one event a year for the rest of your life. What event would that be? I could pick the event. Just one, yeah, one event you might have done or not have done that you that's the only one you can run all year. It'd be the London Marathon. Yeah, 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 yeah London Marathon again. Yeah, oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, 
what people what can people do to handle event disappointment so if they've put a build everything's ticked every box and on the day it hasn't happened what what can they put in place what are, you know is it get some wins after it so you know go out and get a pb in a 5k or do you jump straight back into a marathon plan so it's, i think it's very important and i've heard a few um, few runners that haven't hit what they wanted to hit and yes like we all get very disappointed we invest time money family time and then we don't hit the goal but it's about reflecting what what went wrong and then taking away what did go right and then moving moving straight on and generally there will be there'll be something there that didn't go go right and as we move up to the marathon distances unfortunately it's one of them races that if everything doesn't align on the day it can go drastically wrong very quickly mm-hmm. with other events of half marathons and lower you can you can get away with it or you can hang in there and you can get it done you can get pretty close with a marathon the wheels can fall off and you can be one minute you're running the next minute you could be walking the last six seven days so but it's about finding out the why 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 did that happen what what contributed to that mm-hmm. understanding what it was taking the positives because there will be some positives from from the run yeah and then moving on to the next event and trying not to it's easy to say but not to dwell too much on on that yeah and it's it's still at the end of the day it's probably still a success as long as you haven't injured yourself yeah there's still some success there and then refocus and try not to make the same mistakes again in the next event okay great and i suppose to wrap up as a coach if i asked you in five years where you want your hobby business to be where would you want it to be Pretty much where it is where now. It is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, pretty much where it is now. Just, just yeah, running with a, a, a small group of people, all with the common, all with common goals, mm-hmm. all different abilities. Yeah, so where we are now. Oh, great. Uh, thanks, Tony Smith, for your time today, and hope the listeners enjoyed getting to know a bit more about you and who you are. And next time they see you out and about, they can come up and say hi and introduce themselves. Do you want to? I suppose just mention where people can find you, so on Strava, Instagram, online as well. Yeah, that's right. So on Strava, Instagram, as Erwin said, and also I've got a website, so Tony Smith Run Coaching. Just throw that into Google and it will it'll come up. Um, and and yeah, hit me up on Facebook or anything like that. And yeah, I'm always always happy to chat about running. Great. So you might have to wait a bit because there's no vacancy signs up. So. Join the wait list and I think it'll be ever-growing based on success of the current athletes. So thanks again, Tony. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Owen.